Thank you. And, uh, let's see. Hey, look, the light works. Woohoo! All right. Well, thank you to everyone that was involved in bringing me uh, and putting me on the stage in front of you. Um, so I'm here to talk about the Library Box project. And uh, it's an open source project that I've been working on for about 18 months now. Uh, I was invited, I think, largely because of the Kickstarter success that happened uh, over the course of the last couple of months. And um, so let's talk about it. So what is LibraryBox? LibraryBox is an open source, portable, private, digital distribution system. Looks like that. Pay no attention to the battery. That's just powering it. Just a little tiny um, modified MR3020 TP-Link router. And what it does is it, it provides its own Wi-Fi. You can connect to it with any device that uses Wi-Fi. Uh, anything that has Wi-Fi in the browser, uh, phone, tablet, uh, Kindle, uh, computer, whatever. And it will share the files that are found on the thumb drive. So right now this is on. If you look with your like 14 devices that each of you have, you'll see that there is a library box Wi-Fi signal. If you connect to it, you'll be able to get on. There's a chat where you can talk to each other. Um, and you can download about 100 different books, uh, movies, music. You can download my slides. Um, basically anything that, uh, that's on there. So why, why is it a big deal? Well, one is that it's an open source project. All of the code is available on GitHub. So you can fork it, do whatever you want to with it. The current version is 1.5, and it's all based in Perl and Python, basically. Pretty easy to pick up uh, if you know what you're doing. And uh, so you can pick it up and do what you want to with it. The other real advantage is that it's based on really cheap hardware. The MR3020 costs about $35. So for 35 bucks and about 20 minutes of your time to build one, you can have a portable file distribution system that you can put in your pocket. And that will run off of a battery for 12 or 15 hours. Right. So think about all of the places that don't have internet or have unreliable internet or that have internet that is heavily controlled in some manner. Right. This totally bypasses that. And you can share files directly from it, directly to a room full of people. So if any of you are trying to get on, hopefully it's working. I hope. Uh, but this is what you do. Uh, connect to the SSID, launch a web browser, and then just reload any web page. It acts like a captive portal and drives you to the uh, downloadable content. Looks a little bit like that when you get in. So where did it come from? About uh, 18 months ago, a little more, I uh, found a little project called PirateBox. PirateBox is an art project by David Darts, Dr. David Darts at New York University. And he created um, basically the same thing except upload and download, right? Total portable file sharing system. It's like Napster in a lunchbox. You can put it somewhere and anybody can share anything all the time. He did it as an art project, as something that said something about the copyright status in the United States, which is ugly and awful. And, uh, anyway. So I forked it. I forked his code in order to make it more acceptable to be used by libraries, educational institutions, educators, people who might be scared by the whole pirate thing, right? So version one was a proof of concept. Uh, version one I had up in March of 2013. And um, in a fit of uh, fun, I hollowed out a book and carried it around, because it's a library, right? Uh -huh. 
Uh, version 1.5 is what's out now. If you go to the Library Box website and you uh, take a look at the code, it's the version 1.5 code. Uh, I've got some lovely little printed, uh, little 3D printed boxes uh, that go along with it. You can also download the code for that and print it on your MakerBot at home if you have one. Um, the steps for building one, if you're interested in trying this at, at home, is basically you jailbreak it. You uh, flash the hardware with OpenWRT, right? Very low level uh, or very low uh, impact Linux uh, Linux operating system. You install a copy of PirateBox, and then you install LibraryBox on top of it. That's all the customizations that that uh, that I coded. So why LibraryBox? Why you know why did I go through all this when I had at least PirateBox that I could work with? Well. Um, and what kind of use cases would it be good for? Why would you care? Why would you want one? Well, there's a bunch of use cases up on the up on the website. But basically, it's again anywhere that you don't have reliable internet. And while I've had a huge number of people email me because of Kickstarter and say this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Everywhere has broadband, and what the hell are you doing? And this is never going to be important for anybody. And then I send them statistics about rural internet connectivity, and you know the number of people in the U.S. that don't have access to reliable uh, broadband, uh, and that you know, mostly shuts them up. Um, so libraries are using these to go out into communities where lots of people own devices. They have cell phones that have Wi-Fi capability, and they have you know, web browsers on them, but they may not have access to a reliable signal to get online and download things. So uh, libraries are put them, putting them on things like bookmobiles, and driving around distributing digital files as well as physical objects. Um, the one that I wanted to highlight here, two that I wanted to highlight here, the other use cases that I find really interesting are emergency response. If, you're, if you need to distribute files in an area that's been, um, that's, you know, been hit by a hurricane or a tornado and there's no infrastructure, well, you can throw this, you can throw this in the back of your car and hook it up to the battery and run it forever, right? Driving around letting people download first aid information, letting people download forms, FEMA forms that they need to fill out, letting people grab the stuff that they need is a response to that sort of thing. And then a little thing, freedom. Um, it's, it's totally local. And whatever you're sharing, the NSA doesn't know. So <laughs> that's, also, that's also good. So are people using it? Well, as it turns out, they are. I was really surprised when uh, I made it and then people actually used it. So it started pretty slow. Um, it started just kind of spreading a little bit around, uh, around the US. But then it got a little more popular, and a little more popular, and a little more popular. And uh, these are places where users have added themselves to a, to a group map. Uh, so these are only the people that have chosen to go through and add themselves. But still, it's not bad. It's 16 states, 12 countries, five continents. I don't know what's up with South America. but. Antarctica, I never thought. South America, I thought they'd jump on this. Uh, there are, at this point, hundreds of boxes that have been built and thousands of files have been shared. So, a couple of places that it's actively being used right now. A uh, little tiny town outside of Lyon, France. Um, there are librarians that are building little street corner pop-up libraries and putting library boxes in them and hooking them up to power mains and then putting up signage and everything that tell people, hey, while you're waiting on the bus, while you're whatever, grab a book, grab, grab an album, grab whatever you want off this. It was also used at South by Southwest this past year. The Digital Library of America, Digital Public Library of America, excuse me, um, put, took 10 of them to South by Southwest and put them on the pedicabs 
that run around South by. So that you have these little mobile libraries running around South by distributing data sets and, uh, and books and whatever you want. The device itself is totally agnostic. It's basically just serving files over HTTP. So you can put anything you want to on it. The device that downloads it has to be able to read that thing, right? Has to be able to parse the file. But uh, you can share anything. So they did. Lots of really, uh, lots of really cool stuff going on there at South by. And my all-time favorite library box story. This is my favorite use case. Um, when I had the, when I, I released the 1.0, I was contacted via email by a, a teacher of English um, in just outside of Shenzhen, China, and he wrote me and said, this is exactly the sort of thing I've been looking for because I have a problem, and my problem is that while everyone here has a device, they can't get to the things I want them to get to because of the Great Firewall. So if I give them a site, I can't be guaranteed they're going to be able to get to it today or tomorrow or the next day. The firewall could take it, take it out. And my, my, my students who have, uh, are economically advantaged can afford a VPN. And they can just get around the firewall, and it doesn't, doesn't affect them at all. But the middle class and the lower class students who are learning English in order to improve their, improve their uh, you know, job possibilities can't afford a VPN, and so they just can't get to the stuff that I recommend. So I'm going to build one of these, and I'm going to give it to all of the English teachers in Shenzhen, and I'm going to spread them around so that we can share things locally instead of having to rely on you know, censored internet. It's my all-time favorite use. I love it. So 2.0. 2.0 um, was a dream <laughs> that I had where I wanted to add all of these things. This is not in the current, these are not in the current version. I didn't have statistics. The installation process was still somewhat janky. Um, it really isn't as responsive as I want it to be. It's not really responsive at all, but all you web people don't pay attention to that. Um, I wanted libraries and users to be able to easily customize the landing page so they could brand it themselves, right? Um, right now, the current code only runs on the MR3020. It only runs on a single piece of hardware, and that's like, you know, evolutionarily a dead end. If, if, if TP-Link cuts that piece of hardware off, I'm just dead. So I need to expand the hardware that it will run on. And I had a lot of people contact me about alternative power sources. It's uh, standard 5-volt USB. It just runs on a standard USB power source which means that you can hook it to a solar panel, you can hook it to a hand current, you can hook it to anything that will provide you with 5 volt power. So I had a lot of people who were like, well, what should I buy? And they wanted kits, you know, they wanted to be able to kind of put together a solar kit and drop it in the woods and just have it run forever. So, I couldn't do all of that. Uh, but I can certainly trade money for other people's time to do all of that. So, I went to Kickstarter. And uh, so in uh, July, I started the Kickstarter for LibraryBox 2.0 and uh, took some great pictures around our lovely city. Anybody can recognize what that is? And I, uh, I launched it when I uh, was kind of building up to the launch. I talked to a lot of my friends and I said, how much money do you think I could reasonably raise? What, like, don't pull punches, be honest, right? Like, what can I actually raise with this? And, you know, I did the math on how much it costs to make and, well, you know, I did all the math. And I was like, well, if I could make five grand, if I could do, if I could make five grand, that would, that would get me started. Like, it wouldn't pay for everything I wanted, but it would be a start. I could use it. It'd be fine. 
And of course, the way Kickstarter works, if you don't make your goal, you don't get any money. So you have to set your goal you know, somewhere reasonable. So it's like, well, if I think I need five, I'm gonna set it a little lower. So I decided I wanted to set it about $3,000. Um, seemed attainable, but not crazy. I also timed it for the launch, I timed the launch for the beginning of the American Library Association conference. Uh, every year, librarians across the country have a conference. I know, crazy. And uh, about 25,000 of us descended on Chicago in uh, July. And I knew that if I could hit the, the beginning of that, right, it would, be, it would be a huge opportunity for me to get some press and get some people interested. So I launched on a Friday, Friday morning, the first, the first day of the, uh, of the conference. And I launched about 9.30 in the morning. And by noon, I had hit my goal. So I knew that there was something there. And by the end of the day, I had pretty much shattered the goal and gone above the five grand that I thought I wanted. And then it kept going through Saturday. And on Saturday, I thought, ah, I got one shot at something really cool. And it turned out to be this guy. You know who this is? Come on, I'm in a room full of geeks. Who is this? Cory Doctorow, right? This is Cory Doctorow, grand high potentate of copyright and former employee of the EFF and founder of Boing Boing and writer of sci-fi, right? Um, he also happens to release all of his works via Creative Commons licensed, licensing, right? So all of his works are free to share. So I built a Cory box and I customized one with just his stuff on it. I put all of his work on it and I gave it to him on Saturday. And I said, here you go, see what you think. Take this to your signings and stuff and use it to distribute your books. On um, Sunday, I saw him again and said, what'd you think? And then Sunday evening, it showed up on Boing Boing. And then it showed up on Twitter. And then he backed it and tweeted it. And this doesn't have his follower count, but it's really high. <laughs> It's a lot of people. So uh, at that point, I knew I was really in trouble. And uh, it just kept climbing, flattened a little bit. Uh, but by day 10, I was over 20K. Uh, I was over $20,000 10 days into it. 10 days later, I was over 25. And then we ended up at 33 grand. So, um, this is one of those situations where success is the right problem to have in that now I had the money that I could actually hire a developer and say, you do these things that need to be done. I don't have to kind of scrape and scrounge for the money to make 2.0 happen. But it also means that instead of the 20 things I needed to build, now I have 180 things I need to build, right? So um, scaling success in Kickstarters is, is hard. <laughs> Um, it also means that you have to do things like start companies because uh, that much money going to your personal account may not be the best thing in the world. And, uh, and so uh, I, I am now started Evenly Distributed LLC. We are working on Library Box 2.0. And I would like to invite anyone who is interested in doing the same because it is an open source project. And anyone that wants to look at it, play with it, fork it is, is perfectly perfectly uh, able to. Uh, librarybox.us is the website if you'd like to learn more. 
the 2.0 code, right now the 2.0 code is not public, but it will be out probably early October. Uh, we're looking at about another four weeks of, of development time, something like that. And the 2.0 is going to be a lot better than the 1.5. And thanks. This has been, if you want to get in touch, if you want to call me, uh, if you want to see me on Twitter, and that's my daughter, because she's actually legally required to be on my presentations. <laughs> she made me sign a contract, it's very strange. Anyway, but I've got, I guess, a couple of minutes for questions. Yes, yeah, does anyone have any questions? Yeah. I'm just curious, I've seen where Kickstarter, like, where I had a little bike company that I saw, like, you put money in, but you No, the Kickstarter rewards ranged from, um, for $5, you got to choose a book that goes on every library box that gets built, so the digital rewards. Uh, for 100 you got a limited edition box. Um, you got one of these where I build it for you and I print a cool little, you know, cool little 3D printed box for you. Uh, for $150, you got that in a t-shirt. You know, just standard kind of Kickstarter reward structure stuff. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, so people could back me and get one, basically. Yeah, sure. Um, I just connected to yours. <laughs> yeah. Send a shout out and stuff like that. Um, and I saw some of the content. Did you say it was possible for a user to add content? Not that, not, not to this. Not in the, in the two, in the pirate box is open and free and you can up and down all day long. Um, this has the upload capability stripped out, uh, basically to make it not a porn box, uh, effectively, in, in a public library, right? Uh, that's basically <laughs> what it would become, which okay. is... So for you to add content, you hardwire into it? Yeah. You can, do, uh, you can do a couple of things. Uh, the current version, you just pop the thumb drive out and put stuff on the thumb drive. Okay. With the 2.0, you're going to be able to SFTP into it and just up and down stuff. So. The 2.0 is also going to have mesh networking, so if you have multiple boxing, and so like as an example, here's the use case for this is, uh, I've had a couple of libraries who wanted to do things like cover their town square in them for people to be able to, to, uh, to download stuff. So they have three, right, but they don't want to have to touch each one to update it. So you update one and then they mesh together and update each other. That's going to be the 2.0. Do you have any plans in the future for perhaps uh, someone to be able to connect to your box and then not only can they access your content that you want them to see, but also that has internet access that they can share? And nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want it ever touching the internet. Okay. Uh, that's uh, partially for privacy reasons, partially because that's, I mean, the use case really is where there is no net. That's the, that's the strength of the thing, is that it is still a useful way to distribute digital files where there is no internet. Yeah, after 2.0, well, uh, that's a good question. There's still a ton of um, there's still a ton of development kind of roadmap stuff that I would love to get to um, after the 2.0. I think the next stage is probably being able to, to sell this product, right? Um, it's open source and anybody can build their own and that will always be the case. I'm never gonna take, never gonna do anything that would prevent that. Um, but there are a lot of people that no matter how simple I make the installation, they just want to buy one. And I am perfectly willing to let them do that. So I'm um, looking at that next. Awesome. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Jason.